Good morning. We'll be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. As some of you know, Brother Davy Dixon Jr. and I are leapfrogging. He started with one, I took two. He took three, not this morning, I'm taking four. And Lord willing, unless the Lord comes, we'll keep going through the book of Mark that way. There's a lot of action in Mark. It's one of my favorite gospels because of all the action. You read, immediately this happened, immediately he did this, immediately that happened. So it's, a, as Brother Davey started by introducing it, he pointed out this was for the Romans. There's not a lot of Jewish tradition in it, but Mark is written to the Romans to present to them the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, what we'll be covering is actually um, some parables that Jesus told. It was his style of teaching. But before we do that, why don't we just go over to Mark chapter 3. And I'll just read verse 14. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. I'll read 15 just for continuity. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So now he has the 12. We're going to be living with him for three years, three, three and a half years. And he's going to be teaching them. He's doing miracles, but he's taking time to teach. And he has a particular style of teaching. It was traditional in those days to, for a teacher to often teach in riddles and puzzles. And if you didn't really, weren't serious about it, you wouldn't, you, 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 you wouldn't understand what was being taught. And so let's read verses, verses, chapter four, one and two. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, and we'll talk about the first parable in a moment. But you can picture this. Uh, it's a big crowd on the, on the beach, and he's sitting in a boat. <clears throat> that's an unusual pulpit. But that's the way he was teaching to these folks. And uh, he's going to teach them and he was going to do it by parables. I always learned that a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. meaning. And what it, in, in, go back to the Greek where the word came from, it means to throw alongside. So here you had, and it, come, it came to mean then uh, a comparison. So here's a story, but it has a deeper meaning. And there's a puzzle involved trying to understand what's the meaning of this story as applied to the subject. And the subject always in the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God. How can I get people to trust me? Okay, that's, that's his purpose, to increase the faith of his disciples. And he's going to teach them many things. But in this particular chapter, almost all of it, it has to do with the kingdom of God. And he's going to try to teach them some things concerning that. He's going to use parables. There's a difference between a parable and an allegory. 
My favorite allegory is Pilgrim's Progress. And every time you see a person, he has a unique name and what he does. Every point of an allegory has a purpose. And it's similar to a parable because there's a purpose in this story to get across a truth. A parable usually has just one main application. And so the first parable we're going to read about is a parable sometimes called the parable of the seed and the sower. And sometimes it's called the parable of the soil. And as you read it this morning, you'll find out really it is the parable of the soil. So let's look at the simple story. He tells this story. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed, that is, he's throwing seed out. Okay, he's a farmer. He's throwing out seed. As it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it was had had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So there's four types of soil that the seed is falling on. The first is rocky. The next is stony. The next is, uh, has, has, has thorns in it. It's fertile. And the last is fertile, and it's, it's weed-free. Okay, and each of these produces a different kind of a crop. Now, if you're a farmer, and you're listening to this, and you're really not interested in the spiritual content, you say, well, I need to be more, his story is telling me I need to be more careful in how I plant my seed. That's the very superficial look at a parable. It's a story, and that's all that it is. But he's using it as a method of teaching. So if you're interested in the kingdom of God, there's something deeper here. And that's what you have to figure out. If you're lazy uh, you know, and really not serious about it, you won't get much further than that in a parable. It's just a story. If you're a politician, you might say, oh, I need to start a farm education program. Look at it superficially. A salesman, well, he's encouraging my fertilizer business. I should really help that farmer. Each, each person who's you know, looking at this has a different way of looking at it. But he's trying to teach the disciples, and they don't understand it. So that's what they say next. Well, the Lord says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 10, though, they come back to him. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. <clears throat> What he's doing is pointing out to them there are those who are really not serious. And to them, they'll just hear and it won't have any impression on them. And the, the parable, though, is a way of teaching. So then he's going to explain this one in particular. There's four here. The first one he explains, 
The next three, he really doesn't, and you have to think about it. In verse 13 then, do you, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And he begins by, in verse 14, he really starts to tell the story again, only to give insight into what the key is to unlock this puzzle. And the point is, there's different kinds of people. That's the whole point of this particular parable. There's different kinds of people. The sower is the preacher. The word is the gospel message. Now, he's just selected them to go out and preach the gospel, okay, to teach, uh, to preach, to heal, show God's miracles among the people. And now all of a sudden, he's going to discourage them. Not everybody's going to get saved. Jesus is really honest with his disciples. There's some things you won't have any control of. You can preach the most eloquent gospel message and not everyone will get saved. Why? Because there's different kinds of people. That's the purpose of this parable. So look at the first person. These. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. Okay, so he's talking about the seed. The, the, the analogy is, here is seed thrown on rocky, on rocks, basically. So it's exposed, and birds come along and take it. But what's he saying in a deeper sense when it comes to people? These are people who hear the word, but they're indifferent, indifferent to it. It makes no impression. Their heart is rocky. They're really not interested in hearing this message. And so they just disregard it. But the point is, they're indifferent to it. Just like a rock is indifferent to try to get the seed to grow, okay? It could care less. Well, what happens? Birds come in and take it away. And he's, the picture there is the fact that Satan will just take the word and take it away it will have no lasting impression. And there are people like that. That's what he's trying to point out. You're gonna, you're gonna lay down your lives, actually, for the gospel, and it'll have no effect on some people. So that's the seed that's thrown onto the wayside, or, the rock, or the, 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 onto the rocks. The next is the, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Okay, so you can picture stony ground with a thin layer of dirt, and those of you who are gardeners, might have this problem in your yard, and it just doesn't work, right? Something might spring up. I have an area where uh, I always seem to get grass when it rains, but as soon as it, you know, the sprinklers are off and it stops raining, it dries up. That's what this is speaking to. It could be in cracks, whatever, in my sidewalk. But anyway, the point is, what, he, what he's saying here, there's some people who, by the, in the, in the emotion of the moment, not really thinking much of, very deeply about the gospel message they're hearing, will say, I'll go with that. That sounds good to me. And all people around me are doing the same thing. I'll just go with the crowd. That's easy to do. And they 
make a profession of faith. They trust Christ. But what happens? It's, it's, if you picture a blade of grass growing, it, uh, it gets watered, okay, and then it's, it, and you can buy actually pieces of grass like this. It's, it, you, your kids can do this as an experiment, okay? You can put it in water with, uh, and make it moist, and the grass will grow, and you can watch it. But the point is, it, once it starts drying, there's no real depth into dirt, into nourishment, and it just dies. Soil will push up a, maybe a green blade, so you'll think, ah, oh, it has life, it's living. But as soon as there's persecution, Jesus says, in that person's life, the, the plant will stop growing. And actually, C.H. McIntyre, uh, Spurgeon, said this was his deepest worry, that he was this kind of a person. Charles Spurgeon said, this is my biggest fear, that I'm that kind of person, that I'll show all this greenery but inside, my spiritual life is not as deep as it should be, as it needs to be, as I want it to be. And that was his biggest fear, that he'd be like this blade of grass that had no root. And it would just you know, it'd be, look beautiful to the, uh, to the eye when the times were right, but when times are tough, it would melt away. That was his biggest fear. A superficial response, an emotional response to a message. So what's the third type of, of, of soil? That's verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So here's fertile soil, but there's competition. And because of that competition, and it is, in terms of a person, uh, and you know, we all, you know, I'll get to this point in a second. There's a little bit, of, and all these things in me, uh, but the point is in this kind of person, you have an interest in this, I wanna do that, it takes time. I have an interest in that, it takes time. Uh, uh, and I have these goals in life, they take time. And there's all this competition for your attention and for your time. Okay, and what happens to the word, the fruitfulness of the word? It's choked out. It's, your life is crowded with everything. So he's telling there's these kinds of people. Very fertile soil, but everything else can grow in that soil. And there's competition. And the last is fertile soil, but there's no weeds. Okay, and that's... But uh, verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, and they bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Obedience to Christ and acceptance of him, and there's depth because they think about it, okay? It's, it's a... There's a deepening process in the Christian life. And as you read God's word and you go through the struggles of everyday life, the purpose is for, this, uh, for us to dig down, so to speak, in our faith in him. And that's his goal, is to increase our faith in him. And then we bear fruit upward. And that's, that's, the, that's a, a lovely picture of the true Christian life. And that's his goal, is to let the disciples know there will be people like this 
And you look at ourselves now, and you look at these types of soil, and there's a little bit of it in me, and maybe in you. You're not totally rocky, you're not totally stony with a thin layer of dirt, but if it's rocky, sometimes you'll hear the word will have no, you know, will make no impression on you. Or you might hear something in a moment, have, have an emotional response, but later, it has, you know, it doesn't mean that much to you. Or you might hear the word and you have so many other things going on that you really don't have time for it. Maybe a, a quiet time, no more quiet time. Or, you know, whatever it takes for you to be fruitful, to get into that nourishment of the word, there's no time. You're too busy with other things. Or it could be that there are times you are so fruitful, you're able to teach a Sunday school class, preach the word, visit the sick, and share a word, encourage somebody through a letter, and you're fruitful, and that's the true Christian life. So we're not, I don't know about you, I don't know if you could say to this person, that person in this room this morning, you're all this or you're all that. I find in myself a little bit of each of these things. But we all want to be fruitful. And Jesus was pointing out to his disciples, you're going to meet all these kinds of people in your ministry. Sometimes you're going to get discouraged. So then he starts talking three other parables. And we won't take a lot of time with these, but they're lovely little parables because he's teaching them about the, the kingdom of God. The first is the parable of the lamp. Verse 21. Also he said to them, is the lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is not is it not to be set on a lampstand? For, for there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, do we have ears to hear? Well, it's just a parable. So what's he talking about? What's the main point? There's one main point, and that is light reveals things. And the, the you know, you, <laughs> and I've been thinking about this for the last several weeks, okay, uh, trying to understand how, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? And the nearest I can get for this parable, it's a difficult parable in a way. I know in, 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 in John, we're told to be the light of the world, or in Matthew, uh, if you're in the kingdom of God, if you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, you should be characterized by the fact that you're a light in this world, okay? And also in John, he says, I am the light of the world. And what happens to light? What well, reveals things. And so he's saying, if you have this light within you, or if you're speaking about me and I am the light of the world, don't put it under a basket. Uh, don't hide it. But the point is, it's going to reveal things in people's lives. If, you, if you've been to a, a, a gospel meeting, I'm sure Russ probably sees this all the time. If you have a brother who's really preaching and the gospel's going out clearly, uh, people are starting to think, well, my life's not so good right now, is it? You know, and they're starting to talk to themselves. Um, but the point is that when you start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it reveals people's real attitudes towards him. And he's the savior of the world. It's his kingdom that we're proclaiming. 
Now, the kingdom of God is... He came to present himself as the king, and he was rejected, and I think he knew that was coming. He did know that was coming. And in fact, he told a story one time where uh, the conclusion was, we will not have this man to rule over us. And he was speaking of himself. The Jews were not going to have Jesus be their ruler. But, and so he was rejected, and, but there will be a period of time, and we're in the midst of that time now when the kingdom will be set up on earth. He will come again and set up this kingdom. And, but during this, in this interim time, it exists in a spiritual form. And all who acknowledge Christ as the king, as their savior, are in this kingdom. So the, the point is, as we preach this, uh, it's going to reveal things. That, that's the whole purpose of this parable, as far as I can gather. And I've, I've been looking at this so carefully. This is the most difficult of the four here, to me, actually. I can understand, yeah, you're the light of the world. I can understand that. But he's talking about it's revealing things. So he's really sharing with the disciples, here's what's in the hearts of your listeners. Okay, it's going to reveal some things in their lives, and they're not going to be comfortable with it. But that's what's happening. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If there's a sin in your life that hasn't been dealt with, nothing is secret to God. It's going to be revealed. If you're a believer, as you study God's word, that's going to come to your heart. It's the time to confess it, you see. That's that's the point of it being revealed, so you can deal with it. The rest of these verses in this section here, uh, he he told them something that you read in other places. It's really not a parable. But he says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So be careful what you hear. And if you hear, uh, if you're careful with what you hear, more will be given to you. If you act on it. It's easy to hear a message and it goes in your ear. Much more difficult for a message to reach your heart. We struggle, I struggle with that. I hear things, I hear great messages, but does it sink into my heart? Well, I won't give you the percentages, but it doesn't work all the time, okay? It's difficult to reach a person's heart. But if you're listening, and the point is this, this whole chapter is, this is for the serious Christian. And if you're considering these things, you must think about them and then be careful what you hear. But let's go on to the next parable. That's verse 26. He said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What's the purpose of this? What's the key to this puzzle? What unlocks it? The, 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 the man who scatters a seed doesn't know where this, he doesn't understand this mysterious power that makes things grow. There's some things that are secret. God's kingdom grows secretly. 
And you can't always put your finger on this led to this, led to this, because God works in mysterious ways. Some things happen in an unseen way through the Holy Spirit. There's power there, but it's unseen. That's why the gospel, gospel can flourish in places you don't expect. There's an allegory in, in Pilgrim's Progress that also describes something that's unseen, and it's always an encouragement to me to read this and consider it again. Uh, Christian has made his way uh, to a place called the Interpreter's House. And the interpreter is showing some certain spiritual truths by demonstrating, well, here's a picture of something, and there's a message in this just for you. And the, the story was this, that there's a, he goes in and this flame, there's a wall and there's a fire burning hotter and brighter and hotter and brighter. And there's someone throwing water on it all the time. And all it does is get brighter and brighter. And Christian says, what does this mean? And the interpreter says, that's the work of grace in a person's heart. And Satan is trying to quench it. Keeps throwing water on it. Water and the, and the flame's getting bigger and bigger. And then he says, I don't understand this. And the interpreter takes him around to the backside of the wall. And there's a person there throwing oil at the foot of the wall. It's making its way through. And the point there is that's Christ doing a work of grace in a person's heart. And he's feeding this fire, this, this work of grace in the person's heart. But the person it doesn't know where it's coming from, but it's coming from him. And so things happen in an unseen way to a believer. In some cases, uh, you're being encouraged and you don't know why through the word, through a word of a friend. But Christ and Satan is trying to quench it. And unseen to us is the fact that God, through his Holy Spirit, is trying to encourage us. Interesting. Things happen in an unseen way. And that's not a parable. That's called an allegory. But the point here is that just like this story here where the, the, uh, the farmer sows the seed and all mysteriously, you know, the, the grass grows. He doesn't understand the power in earth that would do that. There are things that God does in unseen ways. He's at work. And similarly with the allegory, he's at work in our lives as believers. Even though Satan's trying to quench it, he's feeding it, okay? The, the fire of God's grace in our hearts. One more, the parable of the mustard seed. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall, parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. And when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may rest under its shade. Okay, well, here's a picture of something that starts small and will grow big. And he's speaking of his church. It's going to start out as a small, persecuted minority. And that's how it starts in a lot of places, a small, persecuted minority. But it's going to grow. It's going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the, uh, you, how do you explain it? Well, he just says it's, it's, it's like a tree that's growing. It starts small and gets big. That's the whole parable. But what's interesting here is that even birds of the air 
can come and nest in its branches. Now, the first parable we talked about, what happened to the seed that fell on rocky soil? Birds came and took it away, a picture of Satan. And that's true here too. I don't know if I should share this, but I will. The, there was a, uh, I used to work for the federal government in, in Washington, D.C. And I started, I put up a note on my door and I said, a Bible study is going to start next week at this time, this place. I talked to my secretary and she said, she would like to come. She's a single lady, a very nice person. And so we did it and a small group came. We had a little Bible study. So I said, well, let's meet again next week. And uh, this uh, a person who was about two, maybe three layers above me in the bureaucracy came and said, I'd like to come. I said, oh, you're welcome to come. And then my secretary came to me and said, I won't come. He has a bad reputation. So he was seeking out single girls, okay? He was a lecher. And I, that's, uh, okay, that's a bird in the tree, right? Uh, Satan, here's one who wants one to get together to study God's word, and there's a lecher who takes advantage of it. So you've got to be careful. But that's the way the kingdom of God goes. It gets started something small. It grows so big. That's what's happened to our church. Not this church. The church in general in the U.S. has gotten so big that now it's, you know, who's occupying it? Well, a lot of people really aren't saved. And a lot of people are dangerous when it comes to their theology. But he's saying this is the way it's going to go. And he's telling his disciples these secrets. And he's teaching them by parables. So first parable was, this is the... These are the kinds of people you'll be teaching. Some will be, some will be like rocky soil. Some will be like stony soil with a thin layer of dirt. Some will be like fertile ground, but there'll be a lot of other weeds growing there too, a lot of competition. The last will be good seed, you know, and, and fruitful uh, and fertile ground, no weeds. And then a lot of things will happen that are invisible to you. And I guess I, we skipped over the, 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 the lamp and the lampstand, but the, what we'll be doing is being revealing the things. God will be revealing things to people's hearts as you preach the gospel message. But that's the purpose of light. So don't cover the light. Keep it bright, okay, and keep preaching the word. And this last one was, it's going to start small, but it's going to get really big. You've got to watch out for who might come into this tree and nest there. And that's all they're doing, is nesting there, looking for trouble. So in verse 33, we find out, he summarizes these teachings, and he says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Interesting. So there were crowds who would come because of the uh, hundreds, would, thousands would come for healing and to see some miracle. And, you know, it'd have no, no impact on them. They wouldn't take any of this seriously. There are others that would hear and they'd listen and they'd start bearing fruit, okay? And that's the way he taught. He taught by parables. You have to be serious about it to understand these things. Okay, and we'll finish up here with the, the rest of the, this miracle that takes place, which will speak to each of us. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. 
Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Sea of Galilee is subject to sudden windstorms. And these were fishermen, and they were fearful. So they had been on the water. It's not like the first time they'd ever been in a boat. The, but this was a fierce windstorm, and they were afraid. And he's asleep. They're afraid, and he's asleep. Well, that's interesting. Uh, he's exhausted. Okay, there's a picture of his, his humanity, in a sense, and his, uh, later in the next verse, his deity, when he actually calms the storm. But the fact that he was exhausted kind of lets you know a little about the Lord Jesus Christ. He has feelings. He's a real person. Uh, there are times he gets angry. Uh, Brother Davey was talking about the time when the, the, the fellow with the withered hand put out his arm on the Sabbath, and he healed it. And then they sought to destroy him. But he was angry at the fact that they wouldn't want to do good on the Sabbath. So he gets angry. And there are times there are crowds with him, and he has compassion. He has feelings toward us. Uh, to know the real Lord Jesus Christ as he really is, uh, to me, is a major goal in life. What was he really like, you know? And to trust him, to grow deeper in depth in our faith in him and trust in him in my life is, is a major goal in my life. Uh, and here he is, he's sound asleep. And what do, they, what do they say? Do you not care that we're perishing? Are you indifferent? Don't you care? And uh, then he arose and he, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. But then he, he criticizes them for their fear and their lack of faith. I mean, they've been with him now. Well, they're only in chapter four, but this is going to keep on going. This won't end in this chapter, this problem. They see these miracles. They hear this teaching and he calls them to trust me. And at that moment, okay, they'll trust him. But then the next, the next thing that comes along, they won't trust him. They'll be afraid. That's the story of my life. We're in our Bible study on uh, Wednesday night. Brother Rod was talking about uh, the, the, the Jews, the Israel won this great victory. And uh, so Samuel had, had put together a, a memorial okay, uh, called Ebenezer. Thus far has the Lord helped us. And... Okay, so you have great spiritual victory. You trust him, you're deeper in faith. Then another challenge comes along next. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Okay, we're learning the same way. But the point is every, every challenge to us is to deepen our faith and trust in him. And that's what he wants in our lives, to trust him more. Trusting Jesus, that is all. 
That's, that, that, that's his goal in our lives. Trust him. Not only for salvation. Now, trusting him for salvation is the beginning of all this. And that's a tough thing to do. You're trusting in a God you can't see. All you have is the word of God. You have to trust his promises. And that's important. I mean, you're, not, you're still on your way to hell if you haven't trusted him for your salvation. But then once you've done that, you've trusted him for eternity. Why is it so difficult to trust him for tomorrow? Or even today? I don't know. It shows you my heart. Maybe your heart's the same way. Certainly it was with the disciples. Uh, they had just seen the, you know, uh, he's telling, teaching them these things. And let's see, did we have you know, the miracles in the next chapter, I think? You see, it's all the paralytics, he, uh, the fellow with the withered hand healed. But they see these miracles, but where does it go? And so anyway, the point is here, he can command, he's God, commands, peace be still to the storm. And if there's a trial in your life, uh, what he wants you to do is to trust him, put it, give it to him. First Peter 5 and 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you can cry out, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And he'll hear you. He was sound asleep. And he heard them. It's like, here's the noise of the storm. And he hears them. It's like a, a mother. We have a lot of young mothers in, in, in our chapel now. And if their child makes a slight noise that's not the usual noise, even if they're at home, especially if they're home in bed, they'll hear it and they'll wake up. Why? Because it's their child. That's the way he is. He hears his children's cries. And he'll eventually say, you know, peace, be still in this situation that you're in. You have to cast all your anxiety on him. Then he, he criticizes them. You know, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they're just amazed at him. They don't answer that question, do they? <laughs> <laughs> wait till we get to a couple more chapters it'll be very similar these things keep happening throughout the book of Mark they're, they're just amazed who can this be in verse 41 that even the wind and the sea obey him uh, so and here is mostly teaching for his disciples teaching them about the kingdom of God not everybody's going to trust it Okay, or believe in him. Different types of soil. Uh, it's going to grow in an unseen way, and it's going to get big. It's going to start small, but get big. So these various parables. If you're a light, reveal the light. Uh, then he does a miracle for them. Beautiful chapter. And may God bless us as we consider it. Consider these parables. Think about them. They're, 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 maybe I didn't get the key to the puzzle exactly right. If you have something that you think is better, share it. I'd like to hear it. Our Father and God, we thank you for your word and your promises. You're a person we can trust. And help us to trust you with our lives and our purposes, our goals. What are our goals in life? May they be such that would bring honor to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved us and gave himself for us at the cross. He purchased us to be his own. We thank you for that place of privilege we have. 
Help us to encourage each other in the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.